Hello, today is December 8th, 2020. What a wild year it's been. Glad we've made it this far, but let me tell you, what a weekend it's been. There's still a lot that I haven't talked about in yesterday's episode. Glad I'm going to get to talk about it today. Again, you're listening to The Jared Barnes Show. I'm your host, Jared Barnes. Again, I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast because there is so many other podcasts out there, sports podcasts, and the fact that you chose this one really means something to me, and it's it holds a place in my heart that you would choose me to listen to, and guess what? Be a part of the following. Like, Let's get this thing going. Listen, if you like this episode, share it with a friend, write and review, do whatever you got to do to help me grow. This is going to be a guerrilla warfare almost growth that is going to completely depend upon you guys and me consistently putting out content. And that's why I love you guys because you guys are the greatest fan base a person could have. I love every single one of you. But let's I'm going to be honest. I don't feel like talking a whole lot about how much I love you guys. I just want to get straight into the episode. So... Yesterday, I told the listeners that I have a couple things that I want to talk about, but the first thing that I have to talk about, the first thing, is that Monday afternoon game of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Washington football team. Now, you know, the Steelers in the Monday afternoon slot took on the Washington football team, and the Steelers came into the game 11-0, undefeated. They're on top of the world at this point. They feel invincible. They felt so invincible last week. Stephon Tuitt didn't play, and he said on Instagram before the game, excited to celebrate the win with you guys before the game even happened. The cockiness that this team had was honestly starting to get to the point where I was like, okay, a loss should be coming here. And they almost lost to the Ravens last week, but they lost to the Washington football team this week. And the Steelers didn't really have anything in the world to be playing for other than the fact that they wanted to remain undefeated. It's not like they're in major trouble in their division. The Browns, yeah, the Browns are good. The Browns are running the ball very well. But are the Browns really going to be a threat to win the AFC North this year? Not with the way the Steelers are playing. But then again, you could say, that look at the way the Steelers played tonight and be like, there's no way they might win. They might not win another game. But like I said, they didn't have. they don't have a whole lot to be playing for. But the Washington football team, they do. The Washington football team came into this game 4-7. Yesterday, the New York Giants, the same team in their division, in the NFC East, won in Seattle an upset to make them 5-7. They need to keep pace with the New York Giants because the New York Giants have the head-to-head over them. They need to have a better record than the New York Giants to get in the playoffs or else there's no chance. So they needed a win in this game, and they needed it bad. And uh, they got it. They got it. In the NFC East, it's really gotten very interesting, in my opinion. After the two big upset wins that were great for the division, they still got another game this weekend where they can, where the division could maybe pull off an upset in the Dallas and Baltimore game, although I don't think it's going to happen. I think Baltimore is going to come in and run the ball all over the Cowboys tomorrow, um, tonight. I am actually recording this on Tuesday, so I don't know why I'm saying tomorrow. I guess it's because I haven't gone to bed, and it is 1.04 a.m., but, you know, the big story coming out of this, this, but back to what I'm saying, the big story coming out of this Washington football team and Steelers game is it's going to be, are the Steelers as good as their record? Are they really that good? They're 11-1, and but how good are they? And people are going to say, yeah, they've had an easy schedule. Yeah, blah, 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 whatever. 
You could say whatever you want about the Steelers. They're a talented team. But all respect in the world should be given to the Washington football team after watching this game. I mean, even when the team was down 14-3, to they kept doing what they knew would work. They kept doing what Ron Rivera wanted them to. And, you know, they never lost sight of the goal to win the football game, regardless of the score. They said, hey, if we keep doing this, if we keep doing that, we're going to beat this team at some point because they're going to implode on themselves. And that's what the Steelers did. They imploded on themselves. And, you know, the, my favorite thing from the whole night, I'm a Steelers fan, but my favorite thing from the whole night was Alex Smith just continuing to get to watch the greatest story in football in 2020, something that has inspired all football fans to just continue to push because no matter what, no matter what kind of adversity comes your way, you can always get back up and on your feet because that's what Alex Smith did. And, you know, the guy will inevitably win comeback player of the year. And he had ha- he had one heck of a game. And, you know, this the game honestly solidified his bid to win the award. I just can't wait to hear his speech. It's going to be so motivational and so powering. I, I absolutely love Alex Smith, and I'm glad to see that he is back to being a good quarterback in the NFL and possibly has a chance to host a playoff game. Think about that. That that would be insane. That would be insane. But, you know, i got to talk about the other team in that game, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, let's not overreact about Pittsburgh, okay? They're not a bad team. You don't get to 11-1 and being a bad football team. The Steelers have had a lot of injuries, okay? And they have been without their starting running back, James Conner, for the last two weeks. Now, I don't love Conner. Like I said, I'm a Steelers fan. I don't love Conner. But the one thing that I like about Conner is at least the defense's respect that the Steelers actually have a run game when Conner's in. The defense does not respect Benny Snell because Benny Snell doesn't seem like he's all that good of a runner. In the last two weeks, the offense has had to be carried by Ben. And without Connor, there just isn't a running game. There hasn't been one. In the last two games, the Steelers have attempted 104 passes to 34 rushing attempts. Ridiculous. That's not balanced football. That's not winning football. That's not how you win a game late in the year. That's not how your team continues to gain steam and gain success as the year progresses. Your running game has to get better every single week or else your team is going to fall behind in the NFL. It's inevitable. As it gets colder, as the weather changes, your running back and your running offense needs to be on point. And the Steelers running offense is not on point. They use the, you know, the screen passes and uh, the the passes to the flat to their running backs and their receivers as like extended running plays and the quick slants. It's like extended running plays. But those can only get you so far before a defense decides to stack all those guys in the box and just take all that away and then say, hey, beat us deep. Just do whatever you like. You can't run it because we know we know you can't run. So the only way you can beat us is beat us deep. It's insane, but, you know, and it, there's been so many drops by the Steelers receivers lately. They had seven in the last game. I think they had six in the Baltimore game. I think it's like 13 or 14. I think it is like 
it's either 12 or 13 drops. I don't know specifically. I just know that in the wash in the game versus the Washington football team, the Steelers wide receivers had seven drops. Seven. Most by any team this year, they had seven. Ridiculous. But I tell you what, as the season has gone on, there is one guy on the Steelers team that I think continues to. He deserves more playing time. Every single week, he proves that he is a playmaker, he is a baller, and that is James Washington. Last week versus Baltimore, he came up big with a catch to seal the victory. This week, he had a 50-yard touchdown on a screen pass. Get the man on the field more often because he is a playmaker. Deontay Johnson drops the ball too much, but he is electric. Juju's great. Chase Claypool's great. Great. Oh, great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But uh, the receiving core in the Pittsburgh is great. They're young. But James Washington needs more playing time. He's a playmaker. Get him the ball more. And, you know, everybody that follows me kind of knows I'm a Steelers fan. I kind of make it open. But I'm fair about my judgment with teams. Like, I don't just just favor the Steelers over everybody. No, I know the Steelers aren't the best team in the league. And I know that the, the chances of them winning Super Bowl this year, personally, in my opinion, aren't as high as I would like them to be, even though they're 11-1. and one. But someone asked me if this game changes how I feel about Pittsburgh, and honestly, my answer is no. I think the Steelers needed to lose a game. I think it's going to be better for them in the long run that they lost this game now before they get into the, the meat of their final four games because it's not an easy – it's not a cakewalk. It's not a cakewalk. And so, you know, the Steelers were flying high, 11-0, and and – you know, they needed a crash, and the loss brings them back down to earth. And, you know, like I said, the meat of their schedule is coming up. They got a couple tough games, a couple tough games. Next week they host Buffalo. Well, they don't host Buffalo. Buffalo hosts them on Sunday Night Football in a game that I am very, very, very excited to watch because after watching the Washington football team and Pittsburgh play and then watching Buffalo play San Francisco, Wow, I just it's going to be a fun game next Sunday night. I am extremely excited about it because the Bills are not going to be an easy team because that offense is rolling. But my question is, if you apply pressure to Josh Allen, how good is he going to be? And we are going to find out next week. I'm excited about it. I will be previewing that game on my Friday episode, which I am excited for. Super excited for it. Like I said, I'm going to be pumping out content here. And this is the second episode that I'm releasing this week. And, you know, I plan on doing at least two more. I want to do another one tomorrow night, record it at least tomorrow night, and put it out on Wednesday, and then record one on Thursday to put it out Friday. Is that right? Yeah, you get it, but (laughs) whatever, you know. Or at least record it on, I don't know. I got to figure it all out, I guess. I'm kind of going as I, you know, trying to figure it out as I go because – like this idea of releasing all these new episodes in shorter, you know, like making a shorter episode, but just a couple of topics to, you know, keep myself entertained, but yet again, not give myself an over amount of work to do, but still be able to balance the rest of my life. It's been, it's been an interesting thing to think about because I honestly thought about it on my way to the gym on Sunday before the Sunday night game. I was going to the gym and I said, you know, I should start doing podcasts again because that's something that I really love to do and I kind of miss a lot. 
I said, I enjoyed doing the YouTube content. I tried to go on TikTok and it's not working the way I thought it was going to be. So I said, hey, let's go back to what I, I have fun doing and I enjoy doing and it's kind of working. So I'm going back to it and I'm trying to get myself as much content as possible, but still make it as enjoyable for myself as possible without getting dragged down and tired and bummed out. And I'm in a good place right now. Like I said, I've been going to the gym quite a bit lately and you know it's been an enjoyable time. I'm just excited to be back on the microphone because it is the thing that I enjoy the most. So, and you know, gonna move on from that because I got a couple more topics I gotta talk about, but I need to get a drink first. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna even say what this is because guess what? No free ads. Nobody gets any free ads. I guess I I say that, but then I'm I'm wearing a hoodie with a, a brand on it, but I'm not gonna say it. Ah, it's crispy. Yeah, a good drink right there. I'll tell you that. That, that was a, mm, satisfying. But uh, like I said, yesterday's episode, I said I would talk about two things. Those two things was Taysom Hill and Anthony Lynn as a head coach. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to start out with Taysom Hill first. Some people might disagree with what I'm about to say here. But I just don't see how you could say with conviction that Taysom Hill is the future in New Orleans. Debate me on it. Please do. Before Sunday, Taysom Hill had never thrown for a touchdown pass in his career. In a league, in the NFL, where the passing game is king. I love Taysom Hill. He's been one of the best stories in the NFL in the last couple of years. No one is as entertaining to watch as him. He's the guy that... When undrafted, so many career injuries that could have just ended his career in college. He turned he he comes to the NFL. He doesn't you know he goes undrafted, overlooked, gets his chance, does anything he can to get on the field for his team and you know just help his team win in whatever way he can. Even though he's a quarterback, starts out on special teams, then he becomes this offensive weapon. Then you know now he's getting his chance to prove the world, prove the league improve his the organization that he is currently employed by that he can be a quarterback in this league absolute i absolutely love it he wants to prove all the people that are skeptical of him wrong but like i said before i just don't believe in him as the long-term quarterback for the saints i don't see how his style of play is sustainable for a 16 game season the offensive pieces that they have around him are a perfect fit for him. Alvin Kamara, you could just dump it off to your playmaker in space and let him you know, do his thing. You got Michael Thomas, the slant route king, as people call him, slant boy. Uh, you run him on a slant, you dip the ball to him. He can make plays whenever he feels like. Whoa, cat's messing with my tripod. Yikes. But, um... You know, Jared Cook at tight end, another big playmaker. Emmanuel Sanders on the outside, a guy that can stretch the field for you but can also be very versatile in the pass game. It's big. He has the offense built perfectly for him, good offensive line, very solid defense. You know, and if this is the final year that Drew Brees plays, let's say that, you know, after, you know, his injury or his ribs, Let's say he comes back maybe one or two weeks before the season ends. 
They make a run in the playoffs, regardless of whether they win the Super Bowl or not. Breeze goes, yep, this is it. I have to retire. And I honestly could say that the Saints might roll with him for a season as they transition into the next phase of their franchise, whether that be they roll with Taysom for the future, which I don't think they'll do, whether that means they'll roll with Jameis for the future, which I don't know if he'll be on the roster in two years, or whether that means they run with a young guy. Who knows? But the Saints' future is bright, though, even without Breeze in the picture. Winston's currently the backup. Like I said, Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara are locked down for a couple years to come. And the defense, they are legit, and they have some young budding stars on that defense that they could maybe lock down. The salary cap is only going to increase here in the near future. Next year it might decrease, but then after that it's only going to skyrocket, because, and it's, it's exciting to, to see that. And certain teams are built for success. The teams with the older quarterbacks might be built for success in that because they'll be able to lock down all their young guys, draft a younger quarterback, and then move into the future. Teams like the Chiefs were built for that because they signed Mahomes to this 10-year deal where he's kind of trapped at this certain amount of money per season and the salary cap's going to increase. They'll be able to pay a lot of their guys to stay around them. Good for the team. Good for the player. Good for their chances of winning. And let me be honest about Taysom Hill. I just don't see it long term. I just don't see it in a five-year plan for the Saints. I don't see how he can be the guy five, six, seven years down the road. I could be dead wrong about this. I really feel like I could be dead wrong about this. But, you know, like I said, it's just in my mind, it's not sustainable at all. But, yeah, I could be wrong. Like I said, could be wrong. But uh, I also said I was going to talk about another thing, and, you know, it's going to be a good thing to wrap up the episode with. Uh, Anthony Lynn is a head coach. I just don't see – how he's gonna he might make it the whole season, but I just don't see how he can be in LA next year. He needs to be fired. Yeah. And he, he's a solid coach. He's underachieved in the last two years. Yep, they've had injuries. And you know, you know, Lynn and the organization seem to be going in two different directions. Um Lynn is going this way. The organization has a young young quarterback. They don't want to stun his growth. They want to get him a young offensive guru that's going to help him develop as much as possible so that they can maybe possibly put themselves in a Super Bowl window here in two or three years. And, you know, with Lynn in the picture, I just don't see how the organization thinks they'd be able to do that. They need a young offensive mind. They need somebody different. Uh, His game management is pretty poor. He's very conservative. Maybe he's conservative because he has the young quarterback and he doesn't want to rattle him because he wants to develop him and not stunt his growth. But either way, I think it is stunning his growth regardless. And, uh, yeah. But the question at that point is, who should L.A. pursue? And there are some good potential candidates. And the top two, in my mind, that L.A. should go after and I, I hope LA fans would feel the same way, but the t- the top one, which it probably wouldn't happen because it's a guy from inside the division, but that would be Eric Bieniemy. Uh, he's from Kansas City. He knows the division. He watched. He was there during the development years for Patrick Mahomes. He's helped develop that quarterback along, which would be key in developing Justin Herbert. He's an offensive-minded coach, which, again, good for Herbert. And he knows Andy Reid. He's familiar with the division. It just seems like it would be a good fit. Now, another coach would be, you know, what's his name from Buffalo? Brian Dabble. He has turned Josh Allen 
into an MVP caliber player. A guy that two years ago when he came in the league couldn't throw an accurate ball to save his life. Had too much zip on the ball, only threw deep balls. Now that guy can check it down. He's becoming a very good quarterback. He looks like he has the potential to really be the guy in Buffalo, the franchise guy. He seems like a guy that could help push Buffalo past whatever bad luck that organization has and help them get to a Super Bowl. I like Brian Dabble because he's done all that. He has t- connections to Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. He's worked well with them. You know, He's an offensive mind that everywhere he goes is successful. And L.A. is a perfect market for an offensive guy because L.A. needs success. They need somebody. I don't know if Brian, Brian Dowell, though, I don't know if he's specifically like that, you know, that young, hot, like, I don't know if he fits because when you look at the younger head, the coaches being hired, they want to go for a younger guy, stuff like that. And he just, if you look at Brian Dabble, you would be like, you know, I don't, don't see how, like, he, he is going to be a good head coach when he gets his job, his, like, hired. And so is Eric Bieniemy. But you look at those guys and they're not like the sexy, young Ferrari option. They're more like the stable Honda Civic that's going to do it for you. And, you know, that's just kind of how I feel about it. There's other head coaching jobs in the league, though, so who knows if L.A. will end up with either one of those guys. But those are the guys that I think they should pursue. The other, uh, Some of the other head coaching jobs that are actually open right now, the Lions, Texans, and Falcons. Uh, the Lions, they previously had Matt Patricia as their head coach, a defensive-minded head coach, which tells me I think they're going to go more of the route of an offensive-minded head coach Maybe a guy that can help rebuild the organization because I think that organization is going to have to start from scratch. I think going to have to dump a lot of contracts and kind of restart. Uh, the problem was the Lions didn't need to do this years ago when they hired Matt Patricia because they had Jim Caldwell. They were building a culture there, and then Matt Patricia came in and tried to turn it into the middle. I almost said the Middle East Patriots, the mid. The middle of the country Patriots, I don't know how to really say it, so that's how I'm going to say it, and it failed. It was a failure project, and honestly, the GM, I don't know if he was fired, but he needed to be fired as well if he wasn't. And uh, you know that tells me, because normally when a head coach gets hired, the next guy that's after him, if he gets fired, tends to be the opposite of what he was. So Matt Patricia, defensive-minded head coach, I expect the Lions to flip, go offensive-minded head coach. Maybe that's where Brian Dabble comes in. Seems like he'd be a perfect Detroit guy. You know, maybe not though. See, LA seems like they would be the one, they'd want to be the guy that hires Joe Brady because he's a young, like, he's the young, sexy Ferrari option. So that would be kind of who LA might want to go after. Detroit could go after Brian Dabble. Uh, I think the Jets, who that job's going to be open for sure, um, especially after that Hail Mary. I mean, he fired Greg Williams, but, you know, you can't just keep, ex- you know, Blaming everybody else for your failures as a head coach. So he's de- Adam Gase is definitely going to get fired. Maybe that's where Eric Bieniemy goes. Bill Coward is rumored to be open to take that job. Right now, this is kind of more of a discussion, not like a very serious actual consideration. I'll probably drop the serious consideration episode probably that Sunday or the the mo- Black mo- probably Black Monday into Tuesday because you know we'll be talking about playoffs and stuff like that. But the head coaching thing is going to be such a big thing that I, I just absolutely there's nothing I love more than the NFL offseason. It's so entertaining to me. And you know another job that might be open is the Jaguars job. You know um, Doug Marone. I don't know how he's managed to be the head coach there for as long as he has. But their GM David David Caldwell 
he was fired. So I, I don't know if the people in the front office are going to want to keep Doug Marone around. Uh, the Texans job, it's open. Um, they need an offensive coach there, in my opinion. Maybe they go defensive, though. Maybe they hire Robert Salah because that defense needs help and bring in a younger offensive guy to help mold and grow the Texans offense. There isn't a lot to work with down there in Houston. They tri- Bill O'Brien left that place in shambles when he left. So in Atlanta, I think Raheem Morris, the interim head coach, is actually going to get that job either temporarily for a year because I do think it is going to be a weird year to hire head coaches because of COVID and stuff. So I think it's going to be interesting. Anyways, that's literally all I had for you today. Like I said, these episodes are going to be short every single week. I'm glad you, you know, decided to watch, decided to listen. It's extremely exciting to me to continue to, you know, hop back on a mic and do these things. I love it. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, This is Jared Barnes. I'm the host of The Jared Barnes Show. Again, if you like this podcast, make sure to, you know, share it with a friend. Do whatever you can to get the word out there that this thing is growing because it's going to be a fun time. And I love and enjoy talking and connecting with every single one of you. It means so much to me. Hope you guys have a fantastic week. I'll talk to you later. Have a good one.